Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. This is Henry Lopez, and welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is Audrey Holst. Audrey, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, so am I. This is <laughs> this is an important topic for me because as a lifelong, as I, reco- as I call it, a recovering perfectionist myself, I'm fully aware of the challenges of being a business owner and a perfectionist. And so Audrey focuses on helping small business owners and entrepreneurs to help them stop micromanaging their lives with perfectionism so they can actually start living. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including the show notes page for this episode, or to schedule a free coaching consultation with me, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 772 772- 837-5700, or visit thehowofbusiness.com. So let me tell you a little bit more about Audrey. Audrey Holst guides ambitious high performers and high achievers who are ready to stop micromanaging their lives with perfectionism so they can actually start living. She's the founder of the Fortitude and Flow process, which she will introduce to us on this episode. And it uses mindful and embodied practices to create transformation. Her work goes beyond mindset and addresses perfectionism, uh, that impossible standard that is really at the root cause of this. Audrey lives in Waltham, Massachusetts. And so once again, Audrey Holst, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Did I pronounce Waltham correctly? Yes, Waltham, Massachusetts. Okay. It's uh, about 20 minutes outside of Boston. Sometimes some of those New England names are tricky, but I think I got that one right. So thank you. Yes. For that. Yeah, nicely done. <laughs> okay, well, excellent. Thanks for being with me. And, and this is going to be an enjoyable conversation. I want to start, though, as I usually do earlier on. And I'm curious as if you'll share with us briefly your early career and then what leads you to start your first yoga studio? But let's start with the early days. What what did you start your career as? Yeah, so I started my career and this was actually my, my, what I have my degree in. My degree is in equine business management and writing. So I actually originally thought that I was gonna go into managing and running stables. Uh, I spent my entire adolescence, uh, running barns, being in barns, training horses, um, that I was really immersed in that world. And, uh, I had a hot minute where I thought I might go into veterinary medicine, but then I spent some time with some, uh, med students and I decided Mm. I was not willing to, (laughs) I was not willing to give up my life that way and sort of go through what they were going through. So, um, I've had a very non-linear path, which I think is, uh, something that we'll definitely come back to and, and talking about that. But yeah, I, my earlier days were spent with horses thinking I was going to go into that. And, uh, I, when I graduated from school, actually, I, I was told, Hey, well, I had listened to my father who funny enough was a business owner. He, mm-hmm. he, uh, co-owned, a, an insurance agency with a partner. And he was like, you know, you should really go into a stable secure job with benefits and a 401k, all that sort of stuff. So I did that for a while. I worked for a company that did, uh, supplements for horses and, and dogs. I did that for about three and a half years. Uh, but I discovered that cube life was not for me. And then I, uh, left 
left Massachusetts and I went off to Hawaii for nine weeks and I got my yoga teacher training certificate. And then I came back and I worked as yoga teacher. Uh, And I was in that industry for over 16 years. Wow. Okay. So, so much to unpack there. So why do you think your dad did not want you to go, if I understood it right, right away into business? Why, Why do you think he wanted you to have that, you know, perceived stability of a job and 401k and benefits? I think that, I think that he was still of the mentality of that is, that's the safe path, right? That's the easy path. That's the path that's going to take good care of you. Um, you know, that's the simple path. So I I think that in his perception, it was like, well, you want the, you want the nice life for your kids, right? (laughs) You want them to have the easy experience. So I think that was his way of saying like, why don't you, you know, why don't you take this path? It's really the one that's laid out for success. Interesting. And then, you know, I've, I've had the conversation with other people who have turned to yoga, most, uh, most notably uh, my friend, Angela, who's been on the show a couple of times. And for her, she was also in a corporate career. And then she just hit that wall in life yeah. where she just had to explore something different. It sounds like there were some similarities there for you and why you went off to Hawaii to become a, a yoga instructor. Is that fair? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I got there pretty fast, you know, like, you know, sometimes I got, it took me about three and a half years to get there and, and mm-hmm. I was done. Um, I think that's something that is also, uh, that's been a, a common thread for me is that sitting at a cube with a very prescribed way of doing things is, is not, is not it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being in barns and stables, my, my earlier life, it was very dynamic. You were thinking on your feet all the time. You were interacting, right? You were very active. Same thing with yoga. It's very in the moment. It's super active. You're making decisions, you're moving, you know, there's a lot of dynamic, there's a very dynamic aspect to it. And I think that's something that, uh, is important for me and is best for the way that my brain and my body works is something that's dynamic and changing and moving, which has its pluses and (laughs) Minuses, which we'll get to, I'm sure, very soon. Yeah. So when you were sitting, going back to when you were sitting in that cubicle and you knew that wasn't for you, at that point in time, though, did you did it crystallize that a that owning a business was the way out, or was that still fuzzy? No, oh, gosh, it was never the goal. I, I don't think that you know business ownership. I think a lot of people's stories is micro burst of what entrepreneurship looked like for them, right? The kid who had the lemonade stand or the, so the kid who was like, you know, selling pencils. I, that was never part of my journey. It was never part of my desires. So I think it was more like business fit the bill for what I was looking Mm -hmm. for, as opposed to, I wanted to have a business or I wanted to start a business. Yeah. Similarly with a business like a yoga studio, often I hear people go into it, not from the business side of it. Obviously it provides a living, but, but gosh, if for nothing else, you're going into a business where if you're not delivering instruction, you're usually, you know, you're, you're the head of the studio, you're the person that people come for. So similarly, was there that mentality that yes, that this serves me, but it's not really a business It's what I'm going to do for life. Is that part of how you went down that path? I'm curious. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a, I'm the sort of person that's always followed the threads. You know, some people are they set a big goal and they chase after that goal and they're very sure about it. And that's not been the way that I've 
lived my life. It's been a little bit more following the threads. So I knew that the yoga was a piece of it. And, and there was a very, when it comes to being a yoga instructor and what your path is, it's pretty straightforward. You are teaching. And then I ended up managing, uh, some yoga studios. And then I ended up in a, a partnership. I ended mm. up co-owning a yoga studio with a partner. Um, and, and at that point it was like, okay, well, this is the pinnacle, right? I've hit the pinnacle. I've right. hit the, the ultimate. And it wasn't for me. It wasn't the, the having a brick and mortar and, uh, the, the days and the structure and the, um, everything about it. It was like, okay, I've reached it. This ain't it. You almost had created a different version of a job and it still wasn't you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it felt too, it still was a little bit constrictive for what I was really interested in. So, um, and that's when I had, I had gone to, uh, so life coaching was something that had come to me a little bit earlier. I had actually, uh, gone to school and, um, gotten my, my certificate when I was still a yoga teacher and when I was still managing and before I got into the partnership and I sort of put it to the side at the point where I was in the, the partnership, because <laughs> that's a full-time thing right there, right? There's, right. there's, there was no space for anything else. Uh, but that was something that was literally felt like a physical creature on my shoulder that kept tapping me going, okay, hello, when are we going to do something with this? Mm-hmm. So um, when I realized that the studio wasn't it, that was like, okay, well, here we go. This is, this is where we're going. This is the business that we're So did we're you, did you, did your partner buy you out? Did you sell the business? How did you get out of that partnership? Yeah. Yeah. We dissolved the, we dissolved the partnership. The studio is now owned by my, um, you know, solely owned by my, my former partner. Okay. And it's, it's, ama- she's amazing. The business is amazing. I mean, it, it's an incredible, incredible venture. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So how do you then end up on this focus on perfectionism? So again, it was a following the thread situation. So when I got into the coaching, I, I wasn't sure who I coached, right. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm a coach, but who do I want to coach? And so I, I just started coaching the people that were interested in being coached by me, right? That was where I started. And as I was getting into it and figuring out who do I get the best results with, who are most, who do I most vibe with? uh, I had a lot of people coming to me with burnout. So burnout was really my first niche. It was my first focus. I did a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of um, time and energy in the realm of burnout because there were so many people that were coming to me with this this issue. Right. Um, and so that was where things started. And the more I looked into it, the more I coached, the more I started speaking, I was working with, a some mental health organizations and I started to realize, you know, there are so many organizational components to burnout. There are so many systemic issues with burnout and there are people that are doing this work a heck of a lot better than I am. I'm not interested in the organizational. I'm not interested in the systemic within a, uh, you know, within a business or, or, um, uh, any sort of like a corporate structure, mm-hmm. I'm interested in people. Like that's my jam. That's where I really shine. That's where I get the best results is really working with an individual, really working with people getting in with them. And so I started to, to noodle on that and working with my own coach, it became very clear that these, the, the common thread of all these people that I had been working with that had burnout 
we're all perfectionists. And that's kind of like when the light bulb went out, that was kind of like, oh, now I feel like the spotlight is shining on, you know, I'm like, oh, right. This is all starting to make sense to me right now. You consider yourself a perfectionist? You know, it wasn't something I ever did, but the more I was digging into it, the more I was uh, like researching, learning about it, uh, understanding my clients more, it, it is something that I do see a lot of aspects in, in myself. And I, and I think that it's not the common presentation, which we can talk about also. So I think it wasn't anything I had really recognized in myself because of that. It wasn't that typical, you know, putting typical in, in quotes, the typical presentation of a perfectionist yeah. or what people yeah. think of a perfectionist as. Right. The, the obvious one, like myself. Right. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a moment. Right. Um, all right. Before we dive into it, though, one question I always like to ask as, as far as from a perspective of you being your own boss, owning your own business, you've done that now for some time, the yoga studio, and now the business that you do now, the life coaching, and now this focus on helping people overcome perfectionism. It's your business. It's your practice. But what does it do for you to be your own boss? You know, it feels that I want to have a really, you know, I want to have the right answer for you here, Henry, but really it feels like what I'm supposed to be doing. That's honestly the best answer. I can because, because why, why, what does it give you that gives you that feeling? Because I am able to approach things in the way that works best for me. I can think about stuff the way that I want to think about. I can structure my day the way that it works best for me. I can, um, move around, right? Like I, in terms of my workstation, I'm standing at my desk a lot of the times and walking around a lot of the times when I'm coaching often I am moving. Um, you know, if I was made to sit and do things a very specific way, I get very rebellious, very quick. That was one of the issues with me as an employee is that I had a lot of opinions on how things should be done. And I often people said, well, they had to be done this way. And I said, why, right? Why is that the way it has to be done? Mm -hmm. So it's a blessing and a curse in that I have the freedom to work the way that I want to, to make the decisions the way I want to, um, to execute on stuff as quickly or as slowly as I want to, to work whenever I want to, right? I th love the freedom it gives me and the way that I can really tune into who I am and my, my best way I work and my best ideas. Um, and which is also the curse sometimes where is like with that much freedom, Sometimes it's like, well, shoot, it's all on me. And that can be really stressful. And I think that's right. something that for anybody that is, that glorifies business ownership as, as this sort of shiny, beautiful, perfect thing all the time. Uh, that's not been my experience, um, but it's also, it's a part of the experience. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I can see where that flexibility that you have now that you're able to craft for yourself is what you certainly didn't find in a job in a cubicle and you didn't even find when you created the yoga studio, but now you're able to create that environment for yourself most days, right? As most of us as small business owners. Right. So thanks for sharing that. All right, so, so perfect, why does, let's start here. Why does perfectionism often lead to burnout, especially for small business owners or entrepreneurs? Yeah, so th there are, there are so many things we can talk about here, right? There are so many layers, but what it comes down to is there are these unspoken expectations and assumptions that, that are made on a regular basis that, uh, that people, people think are what has to be done. 
So a lot of the times, and I think this is, this is true for anybody who's an aspiring business owner who is coming out of corporate, for instance, and this is something that, uh, right. A lot of people do this. They were in corporate. Like you were just talking about your friend that had the, that had the yoga, right. That went from corporate to yoga. Right. We say, okay, this is not working for me. I want to do something else. I want to do something different, but what is our experience, right? What's been modeled to us? which is what we end up doing for ourselves, right? So we end up, if we had a boss that we weren't, that was hard on us or a boss that was really perfectionist, um, guess what? That's the boss we become for ourselves. Those are the expectation we set for ourselves. We don't really have a better model, right? That's, that's often what happens. It's what happens with, um, you know, and, and when we take it really, really back early, right? This is where a lot of us get our, our earliest, uh, experiences. I, so I did a, I did a whole series called the perfectionism interviews, the perfectionist interviews. And I talked with people about their experience with perfectionism, right? Not a single one of them said, Oh, you know, I picked up perfectionism in my (laughs) twenties, right? Nobody's like, Oh, you know, perfectionism seems like a great idea. I'm going to pick it up now. Everybody draws it back to their, their family of origin, right? Their caretakers, expectations within the household, how things had to be done or were supposed to be done, or there was, you know, expectation for them versus a sibling, which was different. And then bringing that into school, right? School is another place where this, this perfectionism, which I think one of the biggest issues of perfectionism that I found is similar across the board, which is also awful for entrepreneurs is an expectation of one and done perfectly on the first shot. Right. Yeah, it, it speaks to, you know, what we are told in the business world that it's good to fail, but that's not how we've been indoctrinated. No, not at all. And we don't know how to take feedback. That's another thing that came up a lot in conversations. It comes up a lot of conversations is we don't know how to receive feedback on stuff because it's like you get it done. You do it once, you know, even when it comes to test taking, right? You take a test, you get one shot then you move on, right? You get either get an A or you get a B or you get a D or you fail it. And then there's not an expectation for, okay, well, let's look at what didn't go well. Let's do something differently next time. No, it's just, you go and you move on. So, um, so yeah, it's, we've been modeled this, this kind of messed up, uh, it's been a messed up model from the beginning. And then that's just basically reinforced through society, through media, through the way that we talk to each other. Um, and, and I think a lot of us are not having explicit conversations about how we're feeling about things or what our expectations are or really clarifying uh, expectations. So it, it just is this thing that kind of is in the water all the time, but isn't really getting explicitly called out or talked about or clarified. So there's a lot of these things can be, um, I think, clarified in conversation, but it just doesn't just actually doesn't come up. So that that incredible focus on trying to be perfect, which is impossible, mm-hmm. burns us out over time. Exactly, exactly. You know the uh, the amount of p- time, right? People spend an inordinate amount of time crafting the perfect message, crafting the perfect email. There's a lot of um, effort put around communication, right? Because that's one of the issues that perfectionists often have: is I want to per- be perceived a certain way. I need this communication to go a certain way. They want to put in the extra hours. They want to put in the extra effort. They want to be seen as good. They want to be seen as the hard worker, right? One of the worst things you can call a perfectionist is to call them lazy or to call them weak, right? That is something that hits people really at like this core. Well, I'll show you like, that's not me level. Um, and they also feel like, well, I shouldn't need 
a break. I shouldn't need rest. I shouldn't need, right. All of these things that are natural human needs, but we have it drilled into our head that like, no, you just put your head down and you just do it. And you just yeah. grind and you grind and you grind. And, and then that's, when, we, when we make a mistake, we it's, we take it so personally Yes, we to a destructive level, really. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Taking things personally is a huge, a huge piece of it. And again, that's, you know, for entrepreneurs, that's like a, a real huge setback. If every time something's not going wrong, which a lot of stuff goes wrong, right? When you're yeah. an entrepreneur, you and I both know stuff goes wrong all the time. So if every time something doesn't go exactly according to plan, we take it personally, my gosh, that's so difficult. So I, I you know, I've given this a lot of thought, as I said in the prelude, and those who have listened to my show know, you know, for me, I know exactly where it came from. It came from my father's influence influence. He was a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And so my relationship with him, which was strained anyway, was all about trying to live up to this standard, which was unattainable. Yes. And even when I would come close, it still didn't get the reward that I was expecting to get for it. And it was just all about trying to be perceived as perfect in his eyes. Yes. And so I know how detrimental that is, but on the flip side, for a lot of us as entrepreneurs, that fire to, to get things perfect, as unrealistic as it is, is what sometimes can make us a good entrepreneur on the other hand, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, I'm so glad you brought that up, this up. And it's such an important point is that I'm not here to villainize perfectionism because there are so many aspects of it that are actually have brought people a lot of positive reward, right? Which is why one of the reasons why and a lot of people talk about this, right? Where it's, well, I... I don't love the side effects of my perfectionism, but I'm afraid that if I let it go, then all of a sudden I'm just going to lie on the couch all day long and stare at the ceiling and never have any ambition ever again. Right. right? There's I've achieved a lot. There's been a lot done with this. So you're a hundred percent correct. in that there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of strength and ambition and motivation. And, you know, people talk about Steve jobs as being this perfectionist, right? He did some amazing things and he also was a terror to work with. So yes. So this is a, a, a both and, right? Perfectionism has its negative side effects, which is what we want to minimize. But then there's also these positive aspects that come along with it, which is great. Let's ride that. Let's amplify the strength. Let's minimize the, the negative side effects. Yeah. Just to touch on a couple more ways that I see that it negatively impacts and manifests itself for business owners. And then I'd like to shift to beginning to talk about how are some of the ways that I can balance it, overcome it to some degree. But, you know, and I've seen these for myself, we, besides burnout, obviously, which is a huge one. It's this whole thing that drives us sometimes as perfectionists to think we're the only ones that can do it well. Yes. And so what does that do in my business? It keeps me from delegating. It, it creates micromanagement. Yes. And it's an ability to never be able to move forward until or launch anything until it's perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts as we begin to identify those? How, how do I, how have you seen and how do you help people begin to overcome this? Yeah. So I think just what you said, a couple of, you know, starting to identify how this shows up. Um, I'll just mention a, a couple of quick things too. Procrastination is a huge thing that comes with perfectionism, right? Putting because if I can't off. do it, if I don't think I can do it perfectly, then I, I'll put it off. Is yes. that why? Okay. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And avoidance. There's also, um, you know, just avoiding it completely. So, so this is something that, uh, you know, like for example, a covert perfectionist, those are one of those, that's the perfectionist that will feel like somebody else can always do it better than me. 
I can never do it as well. So I'm not even going to bother. Right. So I'm just going to completely, you know, completely avoid it. Um, so in terms of where we, uh, where we go and actually, can you, can you just rephrase, rephrase the question? Cause I got so, uh, yeah, so no, no. sidetracked with that. I know, get excited about it. Well, first, <laughs> let me ask you this, this, this question, and then I'll, I'll restate the question. Is this what we're talking about here? Is this what you meant a moment ago about the conversation that we need to have? What, what did you mean by that for us as business owners? Because I suspect that that's part of it, just like we've acknowledging any other, not to make light of it, any other addiction, part of it seems to be having the conversation about this. Is yes. that what you were talking about there earlier in the conversation? Yeah, yeah because I, I think here's the thing, right? A, a lot of the, a lot of the perfectionism, ultimately this is about relationships and this is about survival. So let me just back up really quickly because I don't think I mentioned this, right? I see perfectionism as a very specific survival reaction. Yeah, I specific... wanted you to explain that because you say it's a survival mechanism and I don't yes. understand that. Yeah. So, so when I'm, when I'm talking about a survival mechanism or survival reaction, I'm, I'm talking about this, right? We are, we are wired as human beings. And I'm talking about like literally biologically wired, right? We're talking about the nerves in our bodies. We're talking about our nervous system, our entire system, right? We are built to survive, right? And two of the questions are nervous system. I'm, I'm oversimplifying here just for the sake of keeping it really, really basic, but the nervous system is always asking these two main questions. Am I safe? And do I belong? Right. So these are the things that essentially our bodies are constantly scanning for. And these are things that we scan for in relationship and our, our very, our most modern version of our nervous system is, is social. It wants to reach out and, and get help from people and be in relationship with people in order to survive. Right. we talk about our ancient survival systems where we're, you know, fight, flight, freeze, you know, that sort of stuff. This is the, this is our modern survival mechanisms in our body. It's to reach out and ask for help mm. is to be in relationship with people. Right. So one of the challenges with perfectionism is perfectionism is very isolating. It says yeah. you have to do this yourself. Right. You got to make this look good and not let anybody see you sweat. That's one of, that's kind of a, a an overall survival piece, right? Sure. That's going to keep you safe. That's going to keep you belonging, right? Cause you're not going to be a burden. You're not going to be a problem. You're not going to, you're not going to create any issues. You're not going to write the walk the boat. You're going to be a good productive part of this society. Right? So it's, that's the piece of it. The survival piece is we keep doing these behaviors. We behave the way we behave because we're ultimately, we feel like, and cause this all comes from right. How we were wired is when we were little, a lot of this wiring comes up with us as we get older, we just are not thinking we're not, you know, we're not thinking about it. Cause it's running in the background. Am I safe? Do I belong? And perfectionism thinks it has the the answer to both of these questions. I see. I see. And that's how it protects. That's how it protected me with my father. If I at least I didn't say anything or do anything unless I thought I could do it to his perfect standard, that protected me from his wrath or yes. disdain or yes. whatever it might be. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. And, and so similarly, we bring that into adulthood. Um, okay. So then, going back to the question that, that I had asked before, is how do you begin to help? people begin to put this in its proper place. Cause I, I don't think like, I don't think I'll ever get it out of my personality. It is who I is. It's a matter, it's a matter of managing it so that yes. it does not become disruptive. Yes. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, just a matter of noticing it as a, an aspect of, of your system. Right. So 
everybody is going to write the way that you will talk about this will be different than the way that I talk about this. So I'll, I'll talk about it the way that I, that I talk about it and, and maybe listeners will, will resonate, or maybe you have a, a kind of a different translation. Cause I, I know that you're so good at like hearing what people say and translating it into a way that, that maybe makes more sense. But so the, the first things that people that perfectionism, um, does is it does this two-step. Okay. So it does, it does see and fix. I see a problem. I fix it. Right. I see something, I see an issue. I got to fix it. It's very reactionary. It's very fast. It doesn't give us a lot of agency, right? This is especially true of what I call the hero perfectionist. Mm -hmm. The hero perfectionist is going to jump in a crisis is going to jump right in there and get things done. So the first thing is, is with perfectionism is just starting to notice it, just starting to notice yourself on a regular everyday basis. Because in order to change something, and this has been my experience, and this has been my experience with clients, in order to change something, we first have to see it. We have to notice it. We have to be able to interact with it. And so how I ask people to do that is to first just get in relationship with their own physical body. Because when I'm talking about the nervous system, I'm talking about physically your nervous system and your nervous system gives you information all the time. And your nervous system is giving you information about something being safe and belonging, which a lot of the times we get from feedback from other people. So we look at their faces and we make these snap really, really quick judgments subconsciously about whether this person is safe or not, um, which it takes on a whole other issue in the electronic world, right? When we're trying to interpret things through emails, we can't see people's facial expressions. Like that's a whole other thing. So just starting to notice, okay. So for instance, I'll have people notice their body weight and just notice how they physically feel in an environment, noticing physical sensations, because again, the physical sensations in our bodies are an indication of what's going on inside of us and how something outside of us is affecting us. So just starting to notice ourselves during our day, notice how interactions with certain clients are noticing how interactions with certain tasks are and starting to discern what, how is this, is this perfectionism showing up? How does perfectionism show up? How do I know it's here? How do I know it is creating an issue? Where are the issues? Where are the things that are going well? So just starting to gather information is quite literally a life-changing practice for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, as I go into my business today and, and I start solving problems or fixing things or rearranging shelves or whatever the scenario might be, that's me kicking into see and fix. And so what you're saying is think about how I'm feeling physically as I'm doing those things as a first step to identifying it, because then I'm assuming where you're going is now by identifying that it's coming on or I'm having that urge, I might be better able to rechannel that. Yeah, exactly. And, and here's the thing, right? It's, is it serving me or not? Right. And that's the conversation. Perfection. And is it serving my business, my team, right? Because that's, that's usually the big impact as a business owner. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And because there'll be these behaviors, right. We're talking about perfectionism. We're we're talking about procrastination. We're talking about avoidance. We're talking about uh, micromanaging, right. Getting all up in other people's, well, this is the way to do things, right. I'm going to tell you how a lot of that is our relationship to discomfort, right. I I'm not good at being with discomfort. I'm not being good with being uncomfortable. I want to do this thing because it takes that discomfort right off the table. What if I am able to just feel uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. So that's part of getting in tunes with that, mm. that feeling physical mm. and emotional of 
it's okay to leave that thing alone and yes. instead observe how my team does it or direct them to fix that problem. Yeah. I mean, that may be a piece of it, right? And maybe okay. a piece of it is you're all up in their business and they've actually got some great solutions and they've got right. actually a more efficient way of doing things, yeah. but you're becoming the bottleneck, right? So that might be a, that right. might exactly be a scenario. Or to leave it alone. You know, my, my partner, David Begin and I, he's helped me a lot with this and he had to learn a lot of it with the car wash business that he was involved with because it was burning him out, this obsession with everything being perfect until he realized and helped me realize that, you know, we're going to try our best but we're not going to satisfy everybody. And it's not that that's okay. Is it that that's just part of the process? Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned this. This is such a good one. Yes, absolutely. You know what? Disappointment. It's going to happen. You're going to disappoint people. People are going to hate what you do. People are going to really be dissatisfied. People are going to have opinions. People will say nice stuff. People will say bad stuff. And that is a, that is such a good, I'm so glad you drew that out because that is such a wonderful and important thing. It's a truth, right? It's just a Mm -hmm. truth of business, which we don't like, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like I should feel like I should be able to satisfy everybody that comes interaction with my business. Right. Right. I want everybody to be happy. The sooner that you can get on board with the fact that people will be disappointed and have other opinions and have all sorts of things to say, that's just a part of it. And it doesn't mean anything is wrong. That's important to, yeah. to really. Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, that is the ultimate manifestation of a, 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 a perfectionist is thinking that this thing that I've put out there into the market, everybody's going to love. That's the yes. got to be the ultimate delusional perfectionist speaking. Yes. Yep. Okay, so I get that, you know, got to start having a conversation, got to be aware of when that's not being triggered. But give me a couple of examples, practical examples of how I begin to keep it in check. Totally. So, so the the pause, right? This, this noticing and, and discernment. So this is, this is part of the process that I use with people, right? I talk. And this is part part of the, the fortitude and flow process. Exactly. Exactly. So, so what it means to build fortitude is to notice and to discern, right? So these are some of the things that maybe we're talking about. Okay. So I'm in relationship with my team or I'm in a meeting with my team. Right. And I'm noticing that, that, my team members, they're, they're having this discussion and they've come up with a solution. Man, I am noticing this like tightness in my gut. I'm feeling this, like I'm tapping my fingers on the table and I'm feeling like, oh man, like I, this is not going to work. This is not going to happen. I got to tell them this is not going to work. And I have to, we have to do it this way. Right. Like I know I can see the solution and I'm almost tuning them out. Right. I'm almost Mm -hmm. not even listening to them because I already know what the solution is and I'm just going to tell them what it is. Right. So right now I'm noticing all of these physical things that are happening. I'm like, okay, Ooh, wow. This is super uncomfortable, (laughs) but I know that something that I'm working on right in this moment is I, I, I want to actually do an experiment. So I, so this is, where kind of, I'm, I'm discerning right now that I, I want to do something different. My, my gut is I want to jump in here and I want to, I want to tell them what to do, but I know that something that I'm trying to do is to give them more freedom, right. To give them more ability to make these decisions and let's see how it goes. So now we're talking about flow. We're talking about experimental, small, doable action, right? So my small and doable action is, okay, we're going to do an experiment. My experiment is I'm going to let my team make this decision and I am going to stay out of their way. I know it's going to be difficult, but this is what I want to, I want to see. Let's see how this goes, right? Let's Mm -hmm. trust that I've, 
that I've hired the right people for the right job. And let's also be realistic that if I've been micromanaging these people for 10 years, they may not know how to do right. This, that may, they may not know how to do things differently. So, so when I, when you start changing yourself, that is going to impact other people too. Right. So that is something that maybe you have to have a conversation with your team about to be like, Hey, listen, I'm going to try to do things a little bit differently. This is what you can expect from me. That's the explicit conversation, right. That we're not having is like, Hey, I know that I've been doing this thing. I'm really going to try to do things differently. This is where I'm at. This is what I want, you know, what I'm trying. And I would like this from you. I would like yeah. to have this feedback from you, right? An, ex an example, just to interject here, Audrey, that, that we tried and, and David helped me with this as well is we started teaching our managers, okay, when you come to me with a problem of fire, you have to come with, with so possible solutions that oh, you're proposing. I love that. Yes. Yes. Oh, doesn't that just make everybody's life so much easier? It does. It took, but it took a while, right? It yeah. took a while to teach people that I really did mean that yes. <laughs> that I wasn't just yes. going to go fix the problem Yes, and that I really was expecting that from them on a consistent basis. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And so, so you're taking these actions, right? This is the flow part of the process. This is where the action comes in. This is where the experiments come in. It has to be doable. So depending on the action, right, we're talking this in this specific scenario about, about delegating essentially, all right. So is it doable for me to, to allow this, right? Is, is this something that is, is doable for me to let go of on the reins a little bit, right? right. Maybe, maybe you're not going to let go of the reins on something that's super high risk where like exactly. if something goes sideways, yeah. then you're like, well, there goes my business. We've you know, lost maybe a not. client or we've yeah. lost a thousand dollars or we've damaged something. We're not going to let it slide on that. But, totally. Totally. Yeah. And then you got to integrate it. And I think this is also another piece that business owners really, uh, you know, lose out on integration. And when I say integration, I mean, like, let things settle, take a beat. How did that go? Right. Let's reflect on that. How did that, how did that scenario go? Was it a complete dumpster fire? Like, did I lose, you know, did I give up a little bit of control and the entire company tanked or was that just really uncomfortable? Do we, what did we learn? What did we figure out? How am I now? Like, how did that change things within me? Right. Because every time we are taking different actions and we are getting different results, which is eventually going to, going to happen over time, right. Is mm. it's actually going to shift our nervous system. Our nervous system is going to start to feel safer in different scenarios, right? It's going to start to understand that belonging is available in different relationships and different forms of relationship. So this is where we have to just kind of keep catching up cognitively with the changes that happen within our bodies, which is increases our capacity, our ability to do, you know, more bold stuff in our business, really. Yeah. And then you could argue the nervous system of our business is our culture. And that's what you're integrating over time. Is that yes. fair? Yeah. yeah, totally. I love that. Okay. Um, great. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about fortitude and flow and, and how you work with your clients. How do you engage with them to yeah. help them with this? Yeah. So I, I work one-on-one -on -one with clients. That's my biggest thing right now is I really, really love working one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, eventually we, eventually I will be doing more group work and that sort of stuff. And I do, I do workshops and that sort of thing, but I really love digging one-on-one -on -one with people in my, uh, my emerge program. So I, I work with people through emerge, uh, in a three month program. And, and a lot of this is practical 
nervous system readjustment, right? That's basically what it comes down to is so, so as I'm going through, as, as I'm working with, with clients on their goals, uh, depending on what they're working on, a lot of it's personal, right? The personal affects the business. So, um, figuring out different strategies, like for certain perfectionists being, you know, being still is just not something they can do. They need to have an action to take, right? So I will, there'll be different breathing exercises that they can do to give them some, something to do, right? If they're one of those people that needs to take action, well, let's take action on, on, uh, basically regulating your nervous system, right? Let's take action on regulating your thoughts. Let's take action on keeping things, basically regulating you, right? That's where it comes down to. It takes, instead of taking action outside of ourselves externally, you start to take action with yourself in the moment. So you start to regulate your nervous system when it gets dysregulated, when things get, you know, go sideways so that you can be okay. And so that you can have then access to your, your thoughts and your decision-making processes, which actually go offline in a survival situation. So we got to keep you in a less survival situation. So you can use your big, smart brain to make decisions in your business. Because otherwise I'm going to snap to that instinct. And my instinct is to take over, take control, go do it myself. Yep, exactly. The fear takes over the, you know, the old habits take over and, um, and it's tough on everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a book that'll be coming out soon entitled yeah. You're Not Perfect, and here's how to deal with that. So yes. what led you to write the book? Um, you know, it was another thing that I felt like writing a book was something that I always felt that was something from like when I was super little. So we're talking about people who wanted to be entrepreneurs their entire lives. Yeah. I was somebody who always thought I was gonna write some sort of book. Like that, that was a hundred percent from when I was little. So it was one of those things I always wanted to do. This felt like a good opportunity. Um, and I wanted to have a really, uh, succinct and accessible way for people to get a lot of the information about my work without having to invest all the money to work with me. So, um, so that's one of the reasons I did it. And man, that is, uh, <laughs> if entrepreneurship wasn't, wasn't a big enough thing to break somebody perfectionism, writing a book certainly is, is comes in a close second. I can't imagine. Well, that'll be out soon. And depending on when you're listening, come back to the show notes page for this episode. And when it's available, we'll have a link there at thehowabusiness.com. Speaking of books, though, Audrey, is there another book that comes to mind that you would recommend? Always, always, always. Pema Chodron's When Things Fall Apart is, it, it lives on my bedside table. I recommend it to everybody. And I think it's a really, really good book for perfectionists because it it talks about exactly what we mentioned earlier disappointment, things going sideways, things not going well is part of it. You can't avoid it. You can't perfect your way through it. Um, so I think that the way that Pema talks about these things and she's so human and she's so accessible and she's so brilliant. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a read that everybody should have. You could open to any page in that book and just feel instantly more human and just better about life in general. Tell me the title again. Yep. When things fall apart. When things fall apart. Because they do. <laughs> yeah, <And> they will. <laughs> Great. Thank you for the recommendation. I had not read that book and not heard of it. So I appreciate yeah. that. All right. We'll wrap it up here. What's, what's one thing you want to stick away from this conversation we've had about, as I entitled it, overcoming perfectionism, especially from the perspective of the small business owner? So I want to I wanna tell people to have compassion for themselves, but I realize that that word can make people roll their eyes, especially in the beginning. Um, so I, I, 
want to challenge people to start to ask themselves, how does this make sense? So maybe when people are going through behaviors that they feel like, well, I should know better, or this is, you know, I, I want to do things differently, but I can't seem to do things differently. Just starting to ask themselves the question, how does this make sense? And maybe starting to understand, oh, it makes sense because I'm trying to stay safe here. I'm trying to do something that keeps me belonging. I'm trying to stay a part of the group, right? Just starting to make sense of why you do things can start to be the, the inroad to creating change. Yeah, I love that. So when, when you say compassion, is that because we, we have to give ourselves a break on this, this, <laughs> this focus on trying to be perfect for so long that's so exhausting? Well, it's yes. And, and I think that a lot of us, um, you know, perfectionism is not kind. It does not have a kind and loving voice behind no. it. It's very no. driving. It's very uh, unkind. It's very mean. It's, it's cruel. judgy. It's, it's uh, judgy. Yes. Yeah. So for some of us, the only experience we've had creating things in our life have been driven <laughs> by this really unpleasant voice. So creating change is, can be scary and creating change in a way that you're not being driven by a negative voice is really, it's tough in the beginning. It really is tough. You know, people, when people create change in the beginning, they will say things like, oh my gosh, I did this new thing and I didn't die. Those are the exact words they will use because that's how deep this is wired in our bodies. It yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fundamental like it. component of yes. my personality to an extent, yes. right? And so I'm tinkering with something that's at, that's at, at a core of who I think I am. Yes, exactly. So, so uh, you know, that compassion piece can sometimes feel like, oh, well, if I'm compassionate for myself, then I'm never going to do anything, right? There's this mm -hmm. kind of constant feeling of like, well, if I'm too nice about it, then... Yeah, I'm going to really, be okay with sloppy work, or I'm going to be yes. okay with half finished stuff or yes. not my, not producing my best writing back to the example that you gave, you know, yes. and I don't want that because that'll exactly. affect my reputation and what I put out there and all that good stuff. Right. Right. It's that catastrophe train. We, we get on the catastrophe chain. It's a very binary way of thinking it's either, or, which is again, survival. Whenever we, that's a good note for your listeners too, is whenever you get into that mentality of either, or you only have two choices. You are, you just know that's a red flag. You're in a, mm -hmm. you're in a survival mentality yeah, yeah. in the real, in the real, like business thinking world, you need to have that nuanced look and that compassion is going to help you have that. Wonderful stuff. Where do you want us to go online to learn more? I go to fortitudeandflow.com. And if you go to fortitudeandflow.com slash podcast interview, that will give people the opportunity to access. I have a, a bunch of archetypes, which I, I actually talked a little bit about um, the perfectionist archetypes. Um, so people can, can look at the archetypes and find out where they are in that archetype spectrum so that they can figure out where to start in that fortitude and flow process to uh, begin creating doable change for them. Fortitude and flow, and and that's uh, is it the ampersand or is it the and? How do you spell? Yeah, that fortitude. URL? The word and and the word and. Okay. Yep. Flow.com. Flow. And then forward slash podcast interview all together. That's exactly right. Okay, we'll have a link to that on the show notes page as well, in case you don't get that. Excellent, uh, uh, enlightening conversation. Thanks for taking the time to be with me, Audrey, and indulge all my questions and, and sharing of your time and knowledge today. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad that we were able to, uh, to have this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is Henry Lopez. And thanks for joining me on this episode of the How of Business. 
My guest today again was Audrey Holst. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.